You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety. On today's podcast, we'll take you round the league with Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. Focus on the Vikings with Greg Coleman of the Vikings broadcast team. Talk Saints with Larry Holder from NOLA.com and provide your playing with science check down. But let's kick off the podcast with Peter King of the MMQB. Now it's time for 2010 National Sports Writer of the Year, Peter King from MMQB on the NFL on TuneIn. Peter, always a pleasure. Let's continue the conversation we were having with Cordell about Minnesota. Let's start with your overall takeaways. What stood out as you watched the Vikings' comprehensive win over the Rams? Um, you know, a couple of things. I think the, the the number one thing, in my opinion, is that Minnesota now is just like New Orleans. They can both win games in a variety of ways. They can they can win games with their defense. They can win games by throwing the ball downfield, and they can win games with their running game. You look at Ingram today. You look at Latavius Murray today, and they were both outstanding. That is the kind of team you need to have in January to win big games, a team that can win in a variety of ways. I'm not, I'm not that concerned about the Rams, quite honestly. Um, they've been playing great. Uh, they'd won four in a row. This is a very, very tough team to beat, a very tough game to win uh, you know, on the road in Minnesota. So I'm not that concerned with them. I, I still think they're going to win their division. <clears throat> Seattle is flawed. And and look, elsewhere around the league, I think that Buffalo is an absolute disaster right now. Players, I don't think we're in favor of Tyrod Taylor getting yanked anyway. And Nathan Peterman was awful, obviously. And then, you know, probably the thing we all got wrong before the year when we were calling the AFC West this power division. I mean, as I sit here right now, I'll say this is the weirdest thing I could say about any division in football right now, and that is the team I thought would be the worst one at the start of the year, the Los Angeles Chargers. Right now, they're playing better than any team in that division, and it's not close. Kansas City has fallen to earth with a thud. Uh, Just a, a very, very strange year in the AFC West. Peter, I want to go back for a second. You mentioned the Buffalo Bills, Sean McDermott, and Nathan Peterman. Now, this caused a lot of uh, concern and a lot of conversation throughout the week, and Twitter was ablaze today as we watched Peterman throw five uh, interceptions. If you're Sean McDermott, how can you go back and face your players with, and really drive home the, the point of, yes, I made a mistake without losing your locker room? It's a great question. I think you have to go back to Tyrod Taylor. <clears throat> clearly Nathan Peterman was not ready for prime time. And I've heard what everyone else has heard. Everybody loves this kid, Peterman, uh, but and there's no harm uh, if you're the coach of this team to admit you're wrong. Now, because in my opinion, if you saw the way the Chargers played today, I, I'm not sure that, that Tom Brady with the Bills would have won that game today. But they sure as heck were put at a huge disadvantage because a quarterback who wasn't ready to play, you know, blew the game for him. So I think they've got to go back to Tyrod Taylor. Chatting with Peter King, the MMQB. He joins Cordell Stewart and me every Tuesday on NFL No Huddle. Peter, as you wrote this weekend in advance of Atlanta and Seattle matching up on Monday Night Football, are we potentially seeing the end of the Legion of Boom with a wave of injuries in Seattle? Will you consider right now that, you know, the three keystones – to that defensive secondary, you know, Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, next spring will be 30, 30, and 29, respectively. They they all have their birthdays within a month of each other. So, you know, as Nick would know, <laughs> clearly, you know, you don't have forever in this game. And right now, when I see Richard Sherman tearing his Achilles, when I see Cam Chancellor again, probably questioning whether he should continue to play football at all uh, because of a serious neck stinger. And now, you know, you've also seen for the first time in his career over the last two years, Earl Thomas missing a lot of time. 
I, I mean, look, the Seattle Seahawks have got to get ready for life after the Legion of Boom. And I'm not saying it's absolutely sure that it's done, but, I, I mean, who knows? I don't even know how many of those three guys are still going to be on the team next year. You know, Peter, when we look at the Minnesota Vikings, uh, right now they're 8-2. and two, And there's a wide receiver in their core that I, I don't believe he's getting his just due as far as a conversation about how he ranks amongst the top wide receivers in, in the league, and that's Adam Thielen. You know, what do you think is the reason why he's not getting his just due, even though he continues to post numbers week in and week out? I think he will. Okay, I think he's on the verge of really exploding right now. And the reason why he's not, in my opinion, is because people are still skeptical of him. You know, he's a free agent, undrafted, Minnesota State University in Mankato, grew up, played small-town high school football in Minnesota, doesn't really have the appearance of a big-time receiver, but he's a physical, fast guy and, Nick, I think it's a matter of time. I think by the end of this year, he's going to be a 1,300, 1,400-yard receiver. He'll be in the top five in receiving yards. I think he's going to score 10 or 12 touchdowns. He's going to be legit, and he'll be in the Pro Bowl at the end of this year. Peter, great information. As always, enjoy Sunday Night Football. And we'll chat with you on Tuesday on NFL No Huddle. Thanks so much, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And we'll be right back with more after this. Hey, this is Peter King from the MMQB. Listen to the NFL on TuneIn each Tuesday as I join Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart on NFL No Huddle. Over the shoulder, catch of the five, inside the pylon, touchdown! We'll cover the hottest storylines from around the league and preview each week's biggest games. So catch NFL No Huddle weekdays from 4 to 7 p.m. Eastern, only on TuneIn. TuneIn is your home for the National Football League. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's focus on today's top stories with Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. Now it's time for NFL Network reporter Ian Rappaport. It's the rap sheet on the NFL on TuneIn. Ian, let's start with some injury updates. What can you tell us about Washington running back Chris Thompson who was carted off the field today in New Orleans? Uh, one of the cool stories of this year, really one of the one of the good people who who had made good Redskins starter and their leading rusher. He is out for the season with a fractured fibula. Was carted off the field immediately, put in an air cast, and usually we know how that goes. That's not a good sign. And you know the Redskins who who collapsed absolutely against the Saints, who battled so many injuries already. One of their star running backs out for the season now. Another Chris Com- Chris Thompson officially done. Ian, Jay Cutler left the game uh, against the Bucks for concussion evaluation. Matt Moore had to come in and start for him. What have you heard on Jay Cutler's status? Well, at this point, Cutler enters the NFL's concussion protocol, and uh, we simply do not know his status for next week. And, and one of the tough things about reporting on concussions is all players are different, all hits are different, and all concussions are different. So he now enters the protocol. He's got to pass several steps uh, more than 50% of the time, it seems we've seen a player enter the concussion protocol and then miss the next week. So we'll see as this goes on, but obviously there's a very real possibility uh, that it is Matt Moore under center going forward for the Dolphins. Ian Rappaport is our guest on first and goal. Ian, Cleveland lost to Jacksonville. Still winless this year. Hugh Jackson now 1-25 during his tenure in Cleveland. What do you think his future looks like? You had a report on the Browns this morning on NFL Network. Yeah, well, we, we know that uh, Browns owners Jimmy and D. Haslam have tried to stand behind these guys. They addressed the team this week and basically told them they, they knew it would take time to turn this program around. They were behind them on the rebuild. And, you know, one thing I'd heard about Hugh Jackson is he wants more say in personnel, wants to be part of the discussion. All of those conversations will happen at the end of the year. But obviously, as the losses continue and as they, they keep piling up, uh, you know you do have to ask the very fair question of what does the future hold for Hugh Jackson? Is he going to be asked back? Uh, the owners have supported him up to now, but you know how long will that continue? And then you know Sashi Brown, the general manager who brought in this analytics-based approach, you know what does the future hold for them as well? Robert Woods surpassed 650 receiving yards uh, this season, which earned him 
a $100,000 bonus, but he left the game against the Minnesota Vikings early. What have you heard about his injury, and what is the long-term impact on the Rams' offense with him being out? Well, you know, another uh, in, in sort of the really cool, underrated uh, underrated stories and, and underrated guys, um, you know, right now we know that he left the locker room with his arm in a sling. Uh, we'll see which, which way this goes, but obviously that's, you know, not a good sign. They're calling it a shoulder injury, did not return. Um, you know, they're going to have some tests tomorrow. Um, the only good thing I'll say for the Rams is, you know, at the least – uh, we know that is a place where they have a lot of depth. They traded for Sammy Watkins. They have Cooper Cup. Uh, they have Tavon Austin. If this is an injury that keeps him out, uh, it, it is a, a uh, something that that they could withstand. Ian, do you have any sense of how long the league has been investigating the allegations levied against Jameis Winston, considering the alleged incident took place last spring? That's a good question. Um, I do not know that answer. Uh, it only became public. Uh, earlier this week, and at that point, the league quickly confirmed that they were, in fact, investigating and had reached out to Uber uh, for all the information they had. And, uh, you know, obviously we got a development on that today with, um, you know, a, a Ronald Darby, the former college teammate for Jameis Winston, coming out and saying he was in the car, he was in the backseat with Winston, and he saw no inappropriate conduct. And, you know, the NFL is going to look into it, but it's going to be interesting to see which way this goes because, uh, as far as I know, there's no video, there's no audio, uh, there's no witnesses, and it's the word of the driver versus Winston and, you know, whoever else was there. Um, you know, they're going to investigate it, and as we know, these things do take a lot of time. The Seattle Seahawks defense was once called the Legion of Boom. They have quickly turned into the Legion of Doom. You know, no yeah. no Richard Sherman, now Cam Chancellor, uh What's his latest? Because there was reports about his neck and whether he was going to be out for the remaining of the season. He is going to be out for the remainder of the season. I would expect him to go on IR uh, tomorrow. Remember, they play Monday night. So, you know, when he goes on IR, they'll bring up someone else from the practice squad. And, um, you know, they don't have a a ton of answers. They don't have anyone who can replace him. Um, But, you know, so he's going to be out for the season. And the real question is, what happens going forward? Because... You know, he's going to have to have some very real questions with the Seahawks, with his doctors, with his family. Uh, you know, this is not an ankle that he's, you know, suddenly unable to run on. Um, this is a neck, and it's not something to be messed around with. And, you know, it's a stinger, and he's had some of the same issues that Cliff Averill, who's also also out for the season, faced. Um, it's, it's a very tricky situation and obviously one that uh, he's going to have to weigh very carefully. Ian, as always, we appreciate the information. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. We'll chat with you on Wednesday on NFL No Huddle. Thank you. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Patriots fans, Tom Brady's first audiobook, The TB12 Method, How to Achieve a Lifetime of Sustained Peak Performance, is now playing on TuneIn Premium. As I was running through my typical football training regimen, I knew one thing for sure. I'd never thrown the ball as well as I did that day. In this deeply practical athlete's Bible, listen in as the five-time champion reveals his revolutionary approach to sustained peak performance that has helped him stay at the top of his game. My ability to sustain my peak performance over the past 10 years is almost unbelievable to me. Filled with lessons learned from Brady's personal training experience, the TB12 method also advocates for more effective approaches to cognitive fitness, nutrition, and other lifestyle choices that dramatically decrease the risk of injury while amplifying performance and quality of life. TB12 method focuses on developing and maintaining something that many people have probably never heard of muscle pliability catch the tb12 method how to achieve a lifetime of sustained peak performance by tom brady on TuneIn premium today this is nfl no huddle the podcast here are your hosts brian weber and cordell stewart welcome back to nfl no huddle the podcast let's break down the vikings with greg coleman sideline analyst for the vikings radio network greg i know that you are not the head coach that's why i introduced you as sideline analyst vikings radio network but what's your educated opinion as to what's going to happen under center do you think case keenum is going to keep the starting job for the rest of the season and why wouldn't he brian i mean come on you don't you don't make that kind of drastic change at that position. If if there is any other position, yeah, but that position as at quarterback, 
Man, you know, if you're rolling downhill, you don't you don't get in the way of a moving train. And uh, you continue to let Case uh, move and run this football team. He's done a great job. He has the respect of the players, coaches, and even Teddy Bridgewater. So with that being said, man, you, you, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, we're on a, a six-game winning streak. Uh, still have not played our best football. We beat a good fo- we beat a good football team today, but still have not played a complete football game. So uh, I don't think there's much discussion. Um, I think there's no decision to be made. I, I think if there was a concern, there would have been a little bit of a, a Teddy Bridgewater sighting at the end of the game when the game was put away. We're playing at home, game well in hand. What better way to reintroduce Teddy to this you know, to this Minnesota fan base than giving him, um, you know, a couple of minutes and, and, and giving Case the opportunity to get an ovation coming off. But I don't even think that's in Mike Zimmer's, even even the, the back of his mind right now. Uh, it's, it's Case's team. Uh, he's moving and doing well. So I, I think it's a non-issue right now. Greg, Nick Ferguson here. We all remember watching uh, Blair Walsh miss a 27-yard field goal. Uh, today we watched Forbath uh, struggle. He yeah, missed two fields. You know, Nick, why you got why you got to remind me of that? <laughs> because I, 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 because you shined at special teams, and we're trying to be comprehensive with the analysis. Day. Nick, finish that okay. observation. But, but Greg, right. Greg, I, I had to. The re, if Forbath was able to make his field goals, I wouldn't even have to bring it up. But because he missed two. You have to wonder, okay, well, was this an aberration or is this something that Coach Zimmer should be concerned with? No, I don't think so. Uh, and, and as Brian mentioned, you know, I was a holder for a number of years, so I'm always observing. Uh, the first kick, he hit it perfectly. It just, you know, he was hoping for a draw. You know how you hit that little pitching wedge, you want a draw from 120 yards, and, you, and it stays straight. You know, you double-cross yourself. That's what happened on the first one. The second kick, our, our long snapper, Kevin McDermott, had a stinger. So the second snap was a little bit short. Our holder, who's also the punter, uh, Ryan Quigley, reached out to trap the ball, came back, missed the spot just a hair. As a result, the spot was off. That's why it was a line drive kick that hit the goalpost. So I'm not concerned about Kai Forbeth at this point. He'd made 16 in a row up until today. Uh, I don't think Zimmer is overly concerned about it or special teams coordinator Mike Prefer, nor is Kai. Um, you know, look at it, you know, talking with him after the game. Um, you know, he's got a mindset like a, uh, like a relief pitcher. Okay, I missed that one. I gave up the home run. The next kick is the most important one. And to really hit that last kick, to put the game away, that did wonders not only for his confidence, but for the entire football team. So that, that Blair Walsh issue, that wide left, uh, the two misses, uh, were erased. Now, is he going to get better and, and try to start another streak? Absolutely, but there's no reason to be concerned about four back. Talking Vikings with our friend Greg Coleman, sideline analyst, Vikings Radio Network. Greg, it feels like the golden age of wide receivers across the NFL, so many tremendous wideouts, but should the pride of Minnesota from Detroit Lakes, Adam Thielen, be getting more national attention? Well, I think as he continues to surprise a lot of other people, we're not surprised here. Somebody asked me the question the other day, what's, what's different uh, with Adam Thielen? And I tell them absolutely nothing. When he got an opportunity to, to make this practice squad years ago, he was doing those very same things. It was just a matter of time before he worked himself up to the active squad, into a starting position, and the rest is history. Um, the, the kid is so, you, you know, people talk about speed, Nick, and you know this, uh, speed kills, but quickness is a totally different animal. And Adam is probably one of the quickest receivers out of his breaks. His separation, drop the hips, his first four steps are incredible. That's how he gets People say, how, how does he get so wide open? Well, that's how it's the acceleration out of the cuts. When you can create separation from your, you know, from the secondary, a quarterback is going to find you one way or the other. Greg, Latavius Murray, you know, 95 yards and two touchdowns uh, on the day. Tell, talk to me about his skill set and how it complements uh, the passing attack for the Minnesota Vikings. Well, he was brought in to, you know, I'm not going to say replace Adrian Peterson, but he was a big back. Uh, 
uh, a big hard running back, a third down back, a guy that can catch the ball out of the out of the backfield. I just sat, sat here a few moments ago and told my wife, I said, I really wasn't expecting that much out of A-Train. And she said, well, why is that? I said, because, you know, he didn't play a whole lot during preseason. He was injured. Uh, I didn't follow him a whole lot coming in from Oakland. As a result, he has been a very pleasant surprise. Once he got healthy, once he got into football shape, and once he got his body accustomed to taking hits, Man, he's uh, he he's 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 got a chance to take it to the house every time he breaks onto that second level. So I would say that he's still in the early part of his season, having missed all of the preseason. But uh, right now, we're seeing what uh, Rick Spielman and, and this uh, you know this scouting team saw when they brought him in to uh, to replace Adrian Peterson. Greg, always a pleasure. We know you have a long broadcast day, so we appreciate any time you join us on the NFL on TuneIn. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. I know you'll be working as Minnesota matches up with Detroit. Hope to chat with you again prior to the playoffs. I'll make sure Nick does not bring up Gary Anderson in 1998 since he's fixated on special teams, all right? Oh, Brian, you know, you're just kidding me, brother. You just He's stuck it in there. Stuck it in. I'm very subtle. You know that, Greg. Happy holidays. We'll chat with you soon. Hey, same to you. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Hi, this is Ned Coletti from MLB on TuneIn, inviting you to check out my new audio book, The Big Chair, today on TuneIn Premium. The day Frank McCourt made me the 10th general manager in the long, proud history of the Los Angeles Dodgers, November 15th, 2005 was monumental for the Coletti family. I've been blessed to spend the last 35 years in Major League Baseball, all with iconic franchises, the Cubs, the Giants, and the Dodgers, where I was a general manager for nine seasons. In the big chair, I let listeners in on the intricacies of being an executive and a GM of a major sports franchise, share the process behind the trades, free agency, and the deals, shedding some light on how the money and decision-making really works. I'll also take you deep inside some of the thought process behind some of the major decisions led to success and titles, along with heartbreak and failure. If you're a baseball fan, come for the inside and grit. If you're a sports fan, stay for the heart. Catch every exciting chapter of my new audiobook, The Big Chair, today on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We roll on on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, Talking Saints with Larry Holder from NOLA.com. Larry, the Redskins led it 31-16 with three minutes left. What ignited the Saints' comeback? Well, partially uh, a picture-perfect Drew Brees. Look, he went 11 of 11 for 164 yards and two scores, obviously, in the last two drives. And it's, uh, boy, it was kind of some some craziness outside of Drew Brees. But, look, the Saints' defense was able to make a stop. Uh, look, instead of uh, the the Saints got a stop on third and one, and, and instead of just diving over the top and it could have ended the game, they ran uh, Samaje uh, Pirine ran it and they stopped him. So then they had to punt, and then uh, Drew Brees was surgical. Then in the final drive of the game, uh, look, there's a, an intentional grounding call on, on Kirk Cousins where it looked like more of a miscommunication, but they threw a grounding call. And then they had a sack fumble. And then it led to overtime. I'm telling you, it was one of those games where you you figured, all right, the Saints maybe were due for a loss. And uh, you know, with, when when they went up 15, you thought, all right, well, they could they could just kind of move on and live to fight another day. And yet, uh, it's it's something that this the Saints team hasn't been in this position this year. And the fact that uh, that Drew Brees kind of put them on his back offensively, and then they were finally able to get some stops on defense. Uh, look, won eight games in a row, and like, and when you're eight, winning eight games in a row, you're, you're going to win them in different ways. And this is uh, certainly the most uh, uh, entertaining and, and wildest way that they've won it so far. Larry, Nick Ferguson here. You know, you talk about the, the winning streak that the Saints happen to be on, and at the beginning of the season, no one felt as though they they would be at this point, and their defense has definitely you know come alive. And looking at the fact that they have to still play the Carolina Panthers, the Atlanta Falcons twice. Are you believing that this defense could be a group of guys to help Sean Payton and Drew Brees finally get over the hump? Yeah, I think so. And yet uh, you saw what happened when the Saints uh, are a little depleted. Look, uh, Kenny Vaccaro didn't play today. This is second straight game. 
Uh, A.J. Klein, uh, who's their middle linebacker, um, you know, signal caller on defense, he missed today's game. And then you lost Marshawn Lattimore early, and that was a huge difference. Uh, he, uh, he left with an ankle injury, tried to come back at the start of the second half, uh, left right after the very first play and couldn't go anymore. And uh, you saw all those injuries, and uh, the Saints, typically you wouldn't think they'd be able to overcome them. They, were, they did today, so they need to get healthier because they – they can't afford uh, to be without those three guys, especially against the teams you're talking about because, look, Carolina's still in the mix, obviously. Atlanta's starting to play a little bit better. Uh, and the NFC as a whole, look, the Saints have won eight in a row, and they've needed every win to be in the mix because it's so top-heavy. Uh, so I, do I do think this defense is improved? Yes. Do I do think that they can help them uh, kind of get over the hump over the past few years? Yes. But uh, they need to get healthier there. If they lose – uh, those three guys for an extended period of time, uh, they, they're going to be in trouble. Talking Saints, Larry Holder, NOLA.com. Larry, you've been covering this team for many years. When the Saints opened the year, dropping back to back games, did you see any foundation for this winning streak with the ability at least to run the football early on? Certainly everything's come together over the last two months now. No, I didn't see any of this coming. <laughs> I thought they were the same old Saints, blowing coverages, uh, getting uh, in Minnesota, getting shredded by the Patriots here in the Superdome, and uh, that that Week Three game in Carolina uh, is is looking like a bigger and better win because they just blew the doors off of Carolina that day. And then uh, you're starting to see that ground game, and you saw it again here today. Look, of course, the two big contributors outside of Drew Brees kind of getting it done on those last two drives, uh, Mark Ingram. Uh, and, and Alvin Kamara, and they have been uh, the best one-two punch, uh, arguably, arguably in the NFL right now. And uh, yeah, the fact that they're running the football and playing good defense, I think that's kind of the biggest uh, real stunner of this whole eight-game winning streak. And that we haven't had to see the, uh, the Saints put Drew uh, uh, put their all their stock in Drew Brees, and Drew Brees has to carry them to the promised land. And uh, I think. Uh, you saw that Drew Brees still has the ability to do that, and I think maybe people thought, oh, maybe they, you know, maybe he's 38, and he, you know, he's not doing it. He, he doesn't have these big numbers, and it's it's a byproduct of the defense and the running game. But look, it's a, uh, I would not have seen this coming at all, uh, especially after those first two games. Uh, you know, much less even at the beginning of the season. You know, Larry. With all that being said, it's hard to to not like read the the news clippings, uh, listen to the radio, the sports talk radio, as everyone's patting you on your back, telling you how good you are. If you're Sean Payton, how, how do you avoid maybe some kind of uh, hurdle later on where every guy's starting to read those clippings and somehow forget about the end goal and that being Minnesota? Well, I think that happened today, honestly. Uh, I think that we were watching the game and figured, well, all right, there's your letdown game and maybe uh, the offensive line because we've been touting how great they've been uh, because Drew Brees got a lot more pressure in his face today than we've been accustomed to seeing. He got hit a bunch. And uh, look, and because they were down, the ground game couldn't get uh, going as much. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think that this was potential for that, and uh, they somehow pulled, pulled this thing out. And I, I think that the fact that they were able to have a left-hand look. There's plenty of uh, of bad on this game tape that they're going to see. Sean Payton, you already said, look, there's no victory Monday because they they could have easily lost this game if ten things didn't go right in the last six minutes of the game. Uh, so I, I think the fact that there's far too much that they uh, they know they have mistakes with, uh, I, I think they're gonna they're gonna maintain a level level head, and it's it's a young team, uh, and yet they're they're still be having kind of the no wall to uh, uh, to keep a level head and and, uh, and still go out and win games. Larry, we appreciate the information. Thanks so much for giving us a few minutes again today on the NFL on TuneIn. You got it. Thanks for having me, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Hey, this is Peter King from the MMQB. Listen to the NFL on TuneIn each Tuesday as I join Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart on NFL No Huddle. Over the shoulder, catch of the five, inside the pylon, touchdown! We'll cover the hottest storylines from around the league and preview each week's biggest games. So catch NFL No Huddle weekdays from 4 to 7 p.m. Eastern, only on TuneIn. TuneIn is your home for the National Football League. 
This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, getting the takeaways of Cordell Stewart from what went down across the league. Partner, I am here merely to tee you up, and I'm going to turn off my microphone. Case Keenum played well. The Vikings beat the Rams. Yeah. There's nothing else really to say about that, do we? Case Keenum! Give me a case of Minnesota Vikings. I keep telling you guys, man, look here. I'm going to go on my rant for about every bit of 10 seconds. It may go longer. I don't know. It depends on how I'm Take feeling as I talk. Take your time. Because, you know, sometimes I listen to myself. I have a tendency to find some other things to talk about as well. But let me tell you, that was, that was a very good football game. I, I thought it w- was one that came down to field position. Uh, offenses were very conservative to an extent. I, I would say mainly Minnesota, and you saw the Rams trying, but they never really could find – uh, anything until they had a chance to find Cooper Cup in a latter part of the second quarter. And what did you end up seeing? Anthony Harris ended up coming up with a phenomenal strip right there on the goal line, which impeded their opportunity, L.A.'s opportunity of scoring a touchdown. And then they come out in the second half uh, in the early part of the third quarter, end up getting a touchdown to go up 14-7. to But that was the kind of game that you needed to see from a Minnesota Vikings team that you needed to see from a Rams team where the Rams, we all know, is one of the most explosive offenses, if not the most explosive offense in the National Football League. That defense, who's healthy, really did a phenomenal job of being able to hold that team down to just a touchdown, which doesn't happen much this year. And again, you saw Case Keenum uh, come out and take advantage of some opportunities. You saw Thielen catch a hitch route, which is the type of day it was for both teams. You know, they wasn't giving up big plays, but they was giving up things short to where if you can find a player where they had man coverage, Fine player catch the football, you end up getting an opportunity to see Thielen catch a football, take 65 yards to the house, which created even more separation. But hats off to that defense for really playing stellar football. Offensively, that was methodical, didn't make any mistakes. In Case Keenum, as I said before, he's just basically coming playing in over his head and at the same time playing very good football to put this team in position to now be at, what, the second best, maybe the third best team? I would say the second best team in the NFC That type of football gives you a lot of confidence knowing that you do have Teddy Bridgewater there, hopefully down the road, not now, because I don't think he has football legs. But the rhythm and continuity, I wouldn't touch it. Allow Case Keenum and his Minnesota Vikings team to continue to do what they're doing because he's really playing some good football right now. Uh, Cordell, there's a lot of teams that are still trying to uh, fight for those last two wild card spots. And one of those teams, the Baltimore Ravens, today they defeated uh, the Green Bay Packers 23 to nothing. When you look back at that game, was it more about what uh, Joe Flacco and the defense was able to do, and are they a threat to anyone coming into the playoffs if they are able to secure a wild-card spot? Well, here's the thing you know about the Baltimore Ravens. They're front runners. You give them an opportunity to get out front with that defense that plays the bullyish type of football and, and mentality, uh, you end up seeing, seeing them play very well. But consistently, especially on the offense, you saw – Joe Flacco get hit pretty hard and, and looked like he was almost concussed again in a part of that game. Uh, but when you see that style of football being played, it makes you wonder at the end of the day, uh, can this team play this type of football every week? And my answer to that, honestly, I think it would be no. Uh, I'm not buying anything that Hundley brings to the table, to be honest with you. Uh, turnovers to the level of inconsistency uh, that he's been able to go out and and put up when facing pressure, you know, he's three of 11. Uh, I mean, two interceptions and a fumble, you know, that's what he actually ended up doing today, having three turnovers by himself. Uh, but Baltimore, if you give them the chance to find a, 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 a tunnel of light at some point in time, it's almost like that feast of famine mentality. When they get a chance to taste it and they see there's some success, they try to do the best they can and run with it. But I just think overall this team is just too inconsistent because if I had to ask the question, just watching that game or just watching them all year, Nick, and yourself, Brian, what's their personality? Like, what's their DNA? Who are they? You know, and, and I don't think no one really can give an answer to really stick their hat or even a, a sticker of some sort to that to say, you know what? This is what I'm right with because I know they'll show up. I just can't say it. I can't, I can't, I can't put my vote of confidence in it because I see other teams that could be potential teams in within the, uh, the National Football League, or let's just say any AFC that can be special. Yeah. Let's go. Let, to let's the... talk AFC, Cordell, because yeah. somebody has to be the second wild card. It's not going to be Buffalo. So as we get ready to hear what Sean McDermott has to say post game, huh. 
not what will the Bills do, what should they do? Because I, I don't have any conception of what's going on now in Western New York. Poor Nathan Peterman, five interceptions first yeah. half. What do you think the quarterback situation looks like moving forward? You mentioned the term should, and that's something we talked about on our show, No Huddle, which was I don't see the reason why you're taking Tyrod Taylor out because you're 5-4 and four and you're second in the division. For whatever reason in practice, whatever it is, Nathan Peterman, whether he fooled them or their eyes, was it was like fool's gold that this kid was a rookie drafted in the fifth round thinking he would come in under that type of pressure. With Melvin Ingram coming off the edge as well as uh, Joey Bosa coming off the edge and applying the type of pressure that they did. I mean, they did it to Tyrod Taylor. They end up picking up the fumble, and they end up scoring a touchdown off of it. So if they do it against a guy who's been playing some football for some time, and pretty good. I mean, he didn't turn the football over much this year. What, only three turnovers, ten touchdowns? Other than that one fumble that you could put into the turnover category, maybe other fumbles, but this one that ended up alluding to a touchdown? I'm going to tell you, man, I thought that was one of the most boneheaded moves, I think, by a head coach that I've seen in a long time, considering the position this team was in. And to watch this young man go out and throw, have three turnovers in the first quarter, which was the same amount that Tyrod Taylor has thrown for all nine games that he's played in, and then two more throughout the entire half, which is a total of five, and now you throw Tyrod Taylor back in, and now we have a quarterback situation? Are you kidding me? It never was a situation. It's just something that I think that they thought if they were moving forward to try to figure out who's the quarterback of the future, that maybe, maybe in practice, Peterman, and you can't fault Peterman because he was given the opportunity based on the the call of the head coach, that he would go in and just play that much better than Tyrod Taylor. Well, I tell you what, Tyrod Taylor brought a a ray of light in in the mop-up process of this game, and uh, I'm going to be honest with you. They need to go back to Tyrod Taylor and stick with Tyrod Taylor. Because that decision that was made cost this team an opportunity to at least compete in this game. I'm not going to say they're going to lose because we'll never know because Tyrod Taylor never had a chance to start. But when he got on the football field, it was totally different football field, a football team. The energy was different. We could say it was mop-up work, but I think the rhythm and the continuity, the throws that were being made on the crossing route, the hitch route, the corner route to Shady McCoy uh, out of empty personnel, I, I thought that was the, the quarterback that should have played on the football field. And sometimes, you know, you, 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 you get caught up into what you think you should do. And sometimes coaches make decisions that cost the team games. And I think this was Coach McDermott. I think this was all him, 110%. It was all him. So from a prideful standpoint, yeah, they'll come out and say, yeah, we just wanted to take a peek. And, you know, the kid, we got to give him more reps. Bull crap. The reality is Tyrod Taylor should not have come out of the game until needing to, and I think it happened too soon, and that's why the ugly face of that loss showed itself because I think of a selfish move by a coach who wanted to be in total control of the des- destiny of his football team instead of allowing those players to go through some tough time of football. They had two losses. They had two losses, one against the Jets and the other one against the New Orleans Saints, and we saw what the New Orleans Saints did today against Washington being down by 15 points in the last two possessions of that game, we saw this quarterback go 11 of 11 for two touchdowns in Drew Brees, which for me, when it's all said and done, shows his star and the potential of this football team. That's another conversation, but it's, it's, it's troublesome to watch that today where this young man was put under that type of pressure in Peterman thinking that he would be able to come on and play better than Tyrod Taylor because maybe Tyrod's not being able to, let's just say to convert those big throws. But yet again, he gives you good yards with scrambling. Now I guarantee you when watching that, I'm more than sure there's guys on the sideline who didn't agree with that decision. When we, when we saw Tyrod Taylor scramble say, man, if we only could have had that in the first half, man, if we could have had that in maybe three quarters of this football game, it could be a a different outcome. Go ahead, Nick. I'm sorry. Well, no, no problem. Listen, I I understand the, the rant. I mean, I've been talking about it, you know, all week and I still don't understand it, but you know, moving down south to Miami, another team with uh, some issues at the quarterback, and it's going to be quarterback controversy. You know, Jay Cutler throws three interceptions. He goes out with a concussion. Matt Moore comes in. He looks de- decent. He moves the offense down the field, 17-28, 282 yards, and a touchdown. If you're Adam Gase, no matter what happens with Jay Cutler, he, he gets a good, clean bill of health. Do you stick him back in the lineup? That bill of health not clean. That's three interceptions. He, he just he. This is another situation for me that I, that I'm having a problem with. You, you you bring him out of the booth. 
You give him a one-year deal, 10 million bucks. You saw Matt Moore filling for Ryan Tannehill last year. He played. He played. It was a serviceable, a service, serviceable performance by him. Yeah, they went on the road and got beat in the first week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Who didn't get beat in the first in the first game of the playoffs last year at the play? And we saw Oakland team that played good got beat. We saw a Detroit team that got beat that played some good football during the regular season. But you bring in Jake Cutler, and what does he end up doing throughout the entire year? He hasn't done anything to tell me. One, I don't want to take food off his table, but deserving of that $10 million, and most importantly, not giving Matt Moore a true opportunity to at least compete and practice against Jay Cutler, to give you an idea. So what does he end up? He ends up going out and going 17 and 28, throws a touchdown, and yeah, Jay Cutler, he ends up throwing three interceptions. Quarterback controversy, that's a prideful move again. There will not be a quarterback controversy because if his bill of health from a concussion standpoint is good, he's going to go back in and it's going to be what Adam Gaze wants, plain and simple. And to me, again, this is another coach that's screwing it up. He's screwing it up at his own own admission because he feels like this is the direction that he wants to go in. So because of that, this team looks average at best and is a much better football team than what it's displaying so far. So with that being said, Matt Moore should be back to the should conversation with Buffalo. And what should they do? This is another case in Miami. What should they do? They should go with Matt Moore regardless. Regardless if you gave him the money. You know what? The money is dead money and it's gone. It's in his pockets. The kids are going to Disney World probably 10 times after the season's over because of all that good money along with the other money. He will probably won't get back in the booth because he'll have to explain himself because of how he turned those guys down. You got Charles Davis doing a phenomenal. They don't need him up there. We saw Greg Olson up there. I'm just disgusted with these coaches. You know what? This week was a great week of, of, of a display of how coaches can screw it up. And there's two coaches, Adam Gaze and, and Coach McDermott up there in Buffalo. He's looking on the sideline. He looked red. He looked ripe and red the entire time when watching that game. And all of a sudden, you want to give Tyrod Taylor that? I would have ran all the way on the opposite side of the sideline on the back of the water. I would have knocked the coolers down. Just same way as Antonio Brown did. Tell him why you're mad, son. Tell him why you're mad. I'm just saying, man. It's just a problem. You have a short week with the holiday coming up, but I need this passion tomorrow. (laughs) Cordell Stewart, my co-host, we take you around the league every day. NFL, no huddle weekdays, 4 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn. What about the Kansas City Chiefs? Oh, oh my goodness. Andy Reid, 16-2 and two in his career, coming off a bye. They go to the Meadowlands. They lose to the Giants in overtime. My Cordell, goodness. have the Chiefs been exposed? They've now lost four or five. Yeah, they, they've been exposed. I, I, I think, honestly, uh, and, and this sounds crazy. This really sounds crazy. I think the West and the AFC, I don't want to see it's wide open, but the door is open. No, it's there's, wide open. The a, Chargers are still very much alive. There's a crack in that door that's so wide open, and I think someone put WD-40 on the hinges because they won't squeak. <laughs> that thing is just going to open up so good. It's going to be so smooth like that the house was just built. Nick, you understand? It, this, this, is, this is one of, I would say, maybe so far the biggest collapse of any team in the National Football League that started out the way they did. And now seeing them where they are at this moment in time, not the Giants. The Giants is not a collapse. They just fell apart before we even started. But this football team right here in the Kansas City Chiefs, everything that they've accomplished right now has been somewhat done in vain. I mean, there's two interceptions that the quarterback ended up throwing. I think right now what he has three on the year, and I think he's done throwing interceptions in back-to-back weeks. The first time starting last week, I think he threw an interception and um, end up, putting himself in position to not have success, and then here it is again. They do it again. So I'm just like, you know what? This football team in, in the Kansas City Chiefs right now, um, they're finding ways to lose games because when you lose to the Giants, my goodness, they couldn't convert anything. They couldn't stop it. It was a field goal fest. You know, I mean, it, it's it's like family reunions. You know, everybody eat the good stuff. This guy, he said that they're they making field goals all over the place. Like this was the day for the field goal kickers. And how about the field goal kicker from Minnesota? Why, why is he missing those field goal kicks? That's sorry, a very good question. We brought it up with Greg Coleman, <laughs> former Viking punter. Actually, Nick did it. Normally, I am the caustic one. Nick just observed, hey, Greg, we know about the top five defense. <sighs> Case Keenum playing well. How about four bath? And Greg was not pleased with the tone of that question. But, Cordell, if we're looking for a flaw with the Vikings, we should be talking about special teams, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that is, to me, that right now, is the Achilles heel, I say, of this football team. Because i got to be honest with you. You know, Kendricks to Smith, Harrison Smith, uh, and all the defensive players along with McKinnon and, and Murray, who ran really hard today. 
Uh, Thielen obviously was the star of the show uh, when he came down to it. Uh, obviously, Harris when he came down to Harrison when he came Anthony Harrison when he came down to the breakup on the goal line on Cup when he was going in, which could have turned the entire face uh, of this game completely around. Um, they're doing every single thing right. But when it comes down to four bath, he needs to take a bath because he's thinking right now because he's missing. I mean, that was six points he left on the board. That's six points, correct me if I'm wrong, that he left on the board to where if the Rams go and get that go-ahead touchdown by Cup, now you're really having a conversation of the what-ifs. And, 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 and now all of a sudden, maybe you may get into that conversation of trying to go to Teddy Bridgewater because now it, and it won't be done at his hand. It'd be done at the hand of the field goal kicker not being able to make everything. Now, it's not saying everyone has to be perfect. It's just basically saying just do your job. And if you have a little, you know, a little something you have to kick between the uprights, man, go ahead on and, and make it happen. I mean, right now. To me, you know, I, I think we had someone on, or I may have seen it on maybe one of the networks, rather NFL Network probably, and the question was asked about flaws. And I have to be honest with you, there's two teams that I haven't seen any flaws with so far. It's the Philadelphia Eagles to where if you try to pick out something that's a flaw, offensively, defensively, and special teams, there's really not much other than just a lack of execution. When you think of the Minnesota Vikings, and this is just real talk. I know some may say Case Keenum, but Case Keenum is not the problem. 27 and 38, 280 in a TD. When you break this down with the flaws of this football team in Minnesota, the question is, what is it? It's four baths with the field goal kicking right now. And, you know, maybe it's the last couple weeks, last two of the last three weeks, or, you know, two games out of the last three weeks where he's missed. What happened to him a few years ago when playing against the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, and that they guy's were wide right. Now. Blair Walsh, you make yeah. a great point. Cordell, our mantra is do your job. We're stealing from the Patriots. My job is to thank you. Yeah. Look forward to chatting with you tomorrow. Sure. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Country Roads, your all-access pass to everything Nashville. There's a lot better music selection. Marin Morris. Kenny Chesney. Florida Georgia Line. Sam Hunt. Hey, we're Old Dominion. All we written in the sand. Plus news and interviews with your favorite country stars. Thomas Rhett. You're not giving more than you can handle, and so every day just kind of has its own challenges. I'm Kelly Sutton bringing you the hottest new country songs on Country Roads. I'm Luke Bryan cruising the country roads with you on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Next up on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, it's time for the Playing With Science Checkdown. It's time for the Playing With Science Checkdown, where science and sports collide. This week, we're pleased to be joined by Gary O'Neill and Dr. Eric Goff. Gary, take it away. Hey, guys. Thanks for having us back on your show. You bring us the laws of the game. We will bring you the laws of physics. Now, you have another play for us today, don't you? I do. With a reminder, you can catch every new episode of Playing With Science and the entire Star Talk lineup one week early, only on TuneIn. Let's take you to New Orleans. Kirk Cousins making a play against the Saints. Guys, take us through that play. Okay, Professor, do your thing. Well, the Saints safeties had a great running start on the blitz. Unfortunately for the uh, Redskins, they had seven blocking eight, and that meant Kirk Cousins was about to get smashed. So Ryan Gratt was on the right side of the Washington formation. He sprinted to a spot right down the right sideline. But the left side of the Redskins line broke down, and Cousins was about to be blindsided by defensive end Alex Okafor. Cousins had taken four big steps back. He'd held the ball long enough for Grant to get downfield, and he threw the ball a full two seconds after he received the snap. Just as he threw, he became a meat in a, in a Saint sandwich as he got crushed by Okafor and safety Von Bell. And then safety Raphael Bush piled on after the initial hit for added damage. But Cousins had released a great spiral into low Earth orbit at the speed of 46 miles an hour, almost 31 degrees above the horizontal. It had traveled just about 38 yards horizontally, reaching a maximum height of about 8 yards above the turf, and 2.1 seconds later landed in Grant's hands nearly 42 miles an hour. Air resistance was acting on the ball with about 15% of the ball's weight to slow it down on the way to Grant. 
and all that was left was a stroll into the end zone with perhaps a little taunting thrown in. Well, there you go, chaps. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to work out that you need a defense to cover guys going towards the end zone. Guys, back to you. Hope you enjoyed our science for today. Thank you, fellas. And unfortunately for Redskin fans, Saints came back in a remarkable comeback. But if that score had held up, the Saints would have been buried in Grant's tomb. We appreciate the knowledge, and we'll chat with you next week. That was the Playing With Science Checkdown. Make sure to check out the Playing With Science podcast with new episodes premiering one week early, all free, only on TuneIn. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Patriots fans, Tom Brady's first audiobook, The TB12 Method, How to Achieve a Lifetime of Sustained Peak Performance, is now playing on TuneIn Premium. As I was running through my typical football training regimen, I knew one thing for sure. I'd never thrown the ball as well as I did that day. In this deeply practical athlete's Bible, listen in as the five-time champion reveals his revolutionary approach to sustained peak performance that has helped him stay at the top of his game. My ability to sustain my peak performance over the past 10 years is almost unbelievable to me. Filled with lessons learned from Brady's personal training experience, the TB12 method also advocates for more effective approaches to cognitive fitness, nutrition, and other lifestyle choices that dramatically decrease the risk of injury while amplifying performance and quality of life. TB12 method focuses on developing and maintaining something that many people have probably never heard of, muscle pliability. Catch the TB12 method, how to achieve a lifetime of sustained peak performance by Tom Brady on TuneIn Premium today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's celebrate individual achievement with Nick's picks. You're listening to NFL First and Goal on TuneIn. It's time for Nick's Picks. Uh, break it, break it, one nine, break it, break it, one nine. Come in. Oh, pardon me. For some reason, I thought your defense was operating on the same frequency as I was, but it is not. Adam Thielen continues to show up big as he turns a curl route into a 65 yard touchdown on his way to six receptions. 423 yards. Wax on right hand, wax off left hand. Score touchdowns, both hands. That's exactly what the speedy wide receiver Brendan Cooks did as he hauled in a 64-yard touchdown catch on his way to six receptions for 149 yards. Feel the rhythm. Feel the rhyme. Get up. It is Phillip Rivers time. 21 of 33 for 250 yards, two touchdowns as the Bolts roast the bills that is the late edition of next picks thank you for listening to nfl no huddle the podcast on itunes with brian weber and cordell stewart listen live weekdays from 4 p.m to 7 p.m eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching nfl no huddle the national football league is on tune in your everything audio app